0: All right, everybody, hey, I hope you guys like rocket sounds because this is the new series called Ignition, all right? Any rocket people out there? Some of you guys are a little too excited about rockets. Um, (laughs) Others of you are a little too reserved. So my name's Jeff. I am one of the pastors on staff here. Welcome to New Life. Uh, You guys are sitting in one of three auditoriums that we have right now that are live. Right now, we've got this auditorium called our main auditorium. We have the venue that's meeting down in the gym. Um, You heard me talk about that, actually, just a second ago. And then we have our North Platte campus. So I want to say a big hello to all those people at North Platte, as well as uh, out in the venue. It's exciting. One church, multiple locations right now. Yeah, I mean, come on. It's awesome. It's awesome. So you might look around your particular auditorium and go, this is all of New Life? No, actually, New Life is quite a bit larger than what you might think we actually do this because we want to create more space, right? We want more people to be able to come. And so we, we know that people don't like cramming into an auditorium where, you know, it's like shoulder to shoulder, and people want some space. I mean, come on. You know, I'm a human. You're a human. We like some space. We don't want people to invade our little bubble, right? Any, any people like, you got, you got your bubble, you don't want people to invade it? Okay, non-Christians. All right, um... <clears throat> I mean, I mean, loving people. Okay, I have my bubble. I got it. I know where my bubble's at. I want some space. I want to be able to spread out a little bit. So we create space for that. All right, and we're going to keep doing it. We're we're a church planting church. We plant new churches. Uh, we've planted churches, uh, foreign churches this year. We got more that we're planting this year, um, and we're going to be planting some other churches in Nebraska coming up. It's going to be exciting. So we're on this roller coaster ride. We are kind of like on the rocket shooting out there, and uh, it's going its going pretty quick. It's a fun time right now, uh, so I'm glad to have you guys here with us as we kick off this brand new teaching series. Can I just brag for a moment um, on you guys? There's two things I want to brag on. Number one, you know, your desire on Easter to not only experience the compassion from God— that was given to us through Jesus' death and his resurrection, but your desire to be an extender of God's compassion by helping us to feed hungry children around the world was amazing. You guys, all of us together, three locations, you know, we had like six services that day. Um, That was $40,320. I just want to say I'm proud of you guys. You guys are awesome. We were, I mean, it was just, it was amazing. 25% of that. So about $10,000 came from people that have never given it new life, ever, ever, 25% of it. So I just wanna say thank you to you. You may have been here on Easter and you came back. Thank you for jumping in immediately and helping us spread the compassion of Christ around the world <clears throat> in such a practical way. One, one last thing I wanna brag on though. Not only did, did uh, Easter set a brand new attendance record um, for us, Uh, It was that was amazing, but out at uh, North Platte, I just have to say this because North Platte, I don't know, is it uh, let's see, it was launched uh, a year ago and so in September, so October, November, December, January, February, March, April, something like that. So we've got like maybe 16 months, 17 months or so into this thing. Last year on Easter, our North Platte campus had an attendance of 146 people. Now, That's pretty amazing, especially when you think it just launched in September, and then the next spring they had 146 people show up for Easter for a brand new church plant, not too shabby. This year, this year they had 295 people show up, one year later. Way to go, North Platte. So it's just a point that's being made, all right? Church is not about attendance. Church Church is about life transformation. All right, but people have to attend before lives are transformed. So when we celebrate numbers here, every number is a person, every person has a story, and stories matter to God. So if you ever wonder why we celebrate numbers, it's because they're stories, and stories matter to God. And uh, we think that if people matter to God that way, they should matter to us as well. So God's doing some great stuff, guys. We're going to launch out in this brand new teaching series called Ignition. We're going to be looking at a few different passages of the Bible where God literally ignited something brand new in the hearts of people that, that caused them to never be the same again. This is something that all of us should really be desiring, <clears throat> a spiritual encounter with God that, there, that an ignition takes place in our heart where a fire starts that starts burning inside of our heart that you just can't get away from. My wife and I, uh, we moved to Nebraska actually from Alaska. And when we lived in Alaska for a number of years, we lived in uh, a few different places, but uh, the last place was Wasilla, Alaska. It's a little north of Anchorage, and uh, there's this like forest and trees everywhere. I mean, it's a lot of rural area out there. And a forest fire started. You know, a forest fire, it starts just with a single spark of, ign- of ignition, Right? This forest fire was intense. It was a big forest fire that was going on, and it was, it was doing a lot of damage. In fact, I don't know if you realize this, but it was so hot that the trees were catching on fire, and the, the fire was literally being transferred in the root system from one tree to another, and it was catching it on fire. It, it was the kind of thing where it was a hard fire to put out. I, I literally watched fire jump across the road from one tree to another tree and just singe it like an old Christmas tree and it just went up in flames. So if you've been around this church, you know that I'm a bit adventurous and I might end up at some places that I I probably shouldn't end up at times. And this was one of those because I said to my wife and uh, to our four children at the time, uh, hey guys, you know what we should do? Let's pile in the family's minivan, the 1991 Plymouth Voyager. (laughs) Ha ha yeah and um let 's go check out the forest fire, because what else do you do in Alaska? You know go watch bears play, um, you know see a moose, watch a forest fire, so we drive up there and there 's these barriers across the road that you know I just thought it was for you know non locals we 're local right so we went around it, and we were driving back in there, and it's starting to get smoky, and, you know, embers are kind of falling, and then, uh, then all of a sudden I realized we're smack in the middle of the forest fire as a tree on both sides of the car goes, and this goes up in flames, right? That's when I put it in reverse. We got reverse, let's get out of here. I, I love my family. I don't think the 91 Plymouth Voyager is going to save our lives. In fact, I thought it might just melt to the ground, but it, it was intense that 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 massive fire was started with just one single spark of ignition. Ignition, right? It's the act of setting something on fire, you know, and starting it to burn. So just like ignition can cause a forest fire, or man, uh, maybe maybe some of you guys have had this happen. And I I am so sorry if this took place for you, but we had some friends that you know they lost everything in that in that fire, everything. You know, it's one thing to lose your house, your insurance can rebuild your house, but it's another thing to lose all your valuables and all your pictures and all the history of your family at times. And so when that forest fire happened, there was some there was some real devastation that took place. And so I understand a spark can cause devastation, but you do realize that the ignition spark can also cause something that's amazing to happen, right? So you know, I'm, I'm a guy that likes NASA, and I like space, and I like rockets, and when you think about the space shuttle, you know, with that ignition that ignites that thing, and it, it used to shoot it out into space until they canceled that whole program, I'm, I'm just blown away that this big, massive container of fuel and this ship sits on it, you know, and, and, and there's all this fuel in, in the silos, there's the, uh, the guidance system right? There is, um, there's the engines that are a part of it. You've got the astronauts that are sitting in it, but all of it's really worthless unless you have an ignition source. Have you guys ever, have you ever watched one of those kind of launches? You got to, you got to experience one right before the service. Um, And if you're like me, you felt like you were having a heart attack from from the subwoofers. If you, if you did, if your heart did stop and it started again, praise God. Um, But we apologize that that happened. There is this, there's this like intense rumbling that takes place as the atmosphere is being affected, you know, by this ignition of these engines and this fire taking place and this rumbling and the sound wave that goes out. I mean, it is a, it's a really intense process. But have you ever watched the time-lapse video of when they've staged the rocket and then they move it out on that big, that big device with all the little wheels, you know, and they roll that thing all the way to the launch pad? It takes hours, right? It takes probably half a day or a day. I don't even remember how long it takes, but I mean, it's a long process to get the, to get the rocket from there to there. And then all of a sudden at a moment where T minus 10, 9, 8, 3, 2, 1, 0 and it ignites and just a matter of moments later, it's in space. It's amazing how when ignition connects with the fuel source that there's a blast off. And see, that's really kind of where we're at today your personal life needs needs an ignition to spark with a fuel source so that spiritually you're not the same anymore. I think all of us maybe in this room have experienced a moment or two where we've encountered God. God's encountered us. It could be when you were reading in the Bible and then all of a sudden the Bible came alive for you. If that hasn't happened to you, man, I'm praying that that takes place. It could be in a moment when you knelt down at an altar like we have in all of our auditoriums. And our altars are really what we call for the hungry, right? People that are hungry for God to do something amazing in their life. And you, you might have knelt down at one of those altars and experienced God doing something incredible, right? That, that moment of ignition that takes place where a fire starts. And my goal for you during this teaching series is to put you in those moments, to help coach you into those moments so that you can experience the power of God in your life Because I believe when we experience the power of God in our lives, then we're never the same anymore. I also want to help you ride, ride that rocket, you know, if I if I can, and to maximize it for as long as it can be sustained. I don't want you to become adrenaline junkies spiritually. I just want you to become people that recognize that without the ignition source of God's spirit in our lives, we're like a rocket that just sits on the launching pad and we're going nowhere. So I know that we all look for that ignition, right? We look for that like take me from here to there concept. We look for it everywhere. You know, we we look for the significance in life. We we look for purpose in life. We we look for these scenarios where maybe my life won't be as mundane as it is. It might just take off like a rocket and be something exciting. And we look for it maybe on Friday nights at a party, but You know, we ran that course, or we're currently in that course, and you're going to find out pretty quick that that's not where you're going to find true ignition. You might be at a place more where I'm at in life, though, where business opportunities come your way, and man, you're just going from one big business opportunity to the next one. Maybe that's where you're at today. And you know, you're thinking that maybe this next big business deal is the ignition that's really going to take me from where I'm at to where I want to be. You could be thinking it's the next relationship that's gonna take place or the next get rich scheme. Oh, it's just that next thing is right around the corner. I can see it, it's gonna happen. I'm gonna go from, you know, mundane to something amazing. This ignition's gonna take place. Could be a, like I said, a relationship or it could be a vacation. I've heard people say, man, I'm just, I'm drained. I just need a vacation. The vacation is going to be the ignition source that's going to take me from this lethargic, like I got no energy and it's going to move me to this, I'm completely restored, right? And we go for all of these different excuses, all these different ways. And all we're really doing in our lives is we're going from trying to ignite a human fuel source and the human fuel source is not enough to get you off this planet into space, Meaning it's not enough to change your mundane life into something amazing and incredible. Every one of you has a story. Every one of you has a story. And my, my guess is that for most of you, your story, God's story for your life, has yet to be written completely. You know how I know that? Because <laughs> you're still breathing. Right? Because if you weren't breathing, God's story for your life on this earth is done. But if you're breathing God has a story and he wants wants to live that story out. But let me tell you something about God's story versus your story. Your story is filled with human desires. God's story is filled with spiritual desires that are radically gonna transform you. I wanna help you get ignited by God's spirit more than just man's desires, okay? So, but that means you gotta make a choice. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna start out the service totally different than what you're gonna find at a lot of churches. Right, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you guys talk with one another for a moment. So, all right, because at a lot of churches, it's kind of like to sit there quietly, just go through the motions, do your little thing, and then, you know, out the door you go. Um, well, here at New Life, you know, we do things slightly different if you haven't discerned that. Um, so I, w- I want you to discuss with someone that's sitting next to you that you love, all right? And if you're, if you're, a, if you're here and you're single or you're here alone or whatever, look for someone that looks safe, All right. Um, so if, if, if everybody would just kind of look safe for a moment, okay? All right, stop, stop with the whatever it is that makes you look weird and just look safe for a second because I want you to turn to somebody and I want you to answer this question. If you were a rocket, would you rather sit on the launch pad or ignite the rocket and go on the ride of your life. I want you to answer that, and I want you to tell the person why you've got T minus 10 and counting, all right? Go for it, there you go. Okay. All right. I think I gave, you, I gave you enough time. Some of you guys are starting to make lunch plans. That's not what we talked about. That's not what we talked about. Um, okay. So I just got to know, in all of the locations right now, how many of you, just raise your hand if you were the person that said, like me, right, the adventurous kind, light that rocket. Let's go on a ride someplace. Come on. Yeah. 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 All right, and then let me see the rest of you guys that are just like, please don't like the rocket. I just want to sit on the pad. Okay, we got a couple of hands. We got a couple of hands. All right, all right. I can see the 1045 people are way different than the nine o'clock people. The nine o'clock people will be watching the 1045 people take off in a rocket. That's pretty much… I think that's pretty much how it's going to go down um, here at New Life, at least. Actually, there was quite a few. I was proud of the 9 o'clock folks that said, yes, let's light that thing. Let's go for a ride. I hope that's your case because spiritually, that's what you're going to have to position yourself as if you're going to experience what God has for your life uh, during this teaching series. So let's get started. We're going to launch out um, today in Acts chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 26. We're going to go to verse 40. If you have a Bible with you— I, I like to refer to them as a digital Bible and an analog Bible. So if you got the analog Bible, flip open to Acts. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you're going to end up at Acts. So Acts chapter 8. If you have the digital version, right, you got your smartphone or whatever, please use version. And if you use version, you can click on more and then events, and you'll instantly find new life in Kearney, or you'll find new life in North Platte, and you can actually um, follow along. All the scriptures are there. If you want to keep these, those sermon notes, then you're going to need to hit save, because at 12 o'clock, they, they kind of vanish. They go into some internet hoarding zone, and I don't even know where that is. It just kind of ends up out there in digital world, right? You know what I'm saying? Where you can never get it again. So you're going to want to do that. Acts chapter 8, though, is a great story, guys. I'm just going to tell you the story. I'm not reading it to you, all right? Um, I don't think, it doesn't matter how old we get, everybody likes a good story. The story's about a guy by the name of Philip. Philip and this Ethiopian that's defined for us as an Ethiopian eunuch. is a guy that's of great power and wealth and a great authority. Philip is a, is a guy who, he followed Christ. Philip knows God, he knows Jesus, right? Philip's praying one day and all of a sudden while he's praying an angel comes to him. I mean, how many you guys would like an angel to show up while you're praying? I mean, come on, that would, it would probably freak you out. Some of you would actually get a heart attack like you almost did when the, when the rocket launched. Right, so Philip's praying and then boom, an angel's standing there in his midst. And the angel says to him these exact words. Philip, go south down, to, down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So, I mean, come on. I mean, honestly, if an angel showed up while you were praying, wouldn't you kind of go, is that all you got? Right, is that it? Like, seriously, you, you show up to tell me, walk down a desert road from Jerusalem to Gaza. Okay, so my, my, my take on the story is that you know, Philip wakes up the next morning and he, the Bible says that actually he immediately goes out to pursue this journey. And somewhere along the journey, Philip runs across this man that's in this kind of a, this chariot or this carriage, right? And you can tell instantly that this guy's got wealth, this guy has power, this guy has authority in his life. You can tell that this guy's traveling by first class, right? And I'm traveling coach, like, I'm not, even in the, I'm not even in the economy seats. Philip's walking. Philip's like the baggage underneath, right, in the plane. Um, he's, he's going the most primitive route that you can do. But all of a sudden, Philip has to, has to come aware and say, wow, God, you're the one that told me to go down this road. Are, am I going down this road for this particular man? And it, right at that moment, it says that the Holy Spirit came to him and he spoke to him. And the Holy Spirit now says these words. So the second time Philip is hearing from God... God says to him, Philip, go over and walk alongside the carriage. Go over and walk alongside the carriage. Let me just pause for a second and just say this. If you are praying and you're looking for some kind of like open up the heavens, God to speak to you, big, profound kind of message, just please notice for a second how God spoke to Philip very plainly, very simple, right, and really didn't give a lot of details, of like, what's going to happen. It was more of a, Philip, go do this. Philip had to activate faith every time God spoke to him. And most of the time, that's what you're going to discover with God, is that God's going to tell you, go speak to that person. That sounds crazy to you. But you go, and then you find out what's really going on. And this is what happened with Philip. So God says, go over and walk alongside the chariot. So the Bible says this, Philip ran. He runs over there, right? He doesn't just walk, trot. He doesn't plot the course and go, well, if I cut him off at this corner, I'll meet up with him. It says that he runs. He takes initiative and he runs. So if Philip's anything like me in life and in my, you know, amazing state of, you know, um, physical sense, Philip got got over there and he probably had to take the next five minutes to huff and puff, Right? (sighs) And Philip, over there, and he's trying to walk alongside the guy who's getting pulled by horses. He's trying to catch his breath, and uh, he's trying to listen to what the guy's saying, because God told him to go over there and walk alongside, so evidently it's to listen, but he can't probably hear the guy over his own breathing for the first couple minutes. Anybody say amen? All right. Good, good. Let's all go to the gym. I'm out of breath already. It gets me out of breath to even do that. So Philip gets over there and he hears something amazing. This Ethiopian guy is reading from a scroll, a handwritten scroll of the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah is in your your Bible. It's in the Old Testament. Now what's so amazing about this, and I'm sure Philip started replaying these thoughts in his mind was, how did that guy get that handwritten scroll? Those things are filthy expensive. I mean, it's crazy. How, How did he, where did he come up with all the money for that? I mean, whole groups of Jewish priests would pitch in all their money to go buy a bunch of handwritten scrolls. And you know what they would do with them? They would go lock them up because they were so expensive. And then they would pull them out for a time of worship. And now this guy who doesn't even come from my land, he's probably a guy who has black skin, right? He doesn't even come from my region. This guy has a handwritten scroll. I'll tell you what, I would love to have a handwritten scroll. You could think Philip's probably saying this to himself. And without God giving him any more instruction... Without God even saying another word to him, Philip can't contain it within himself. And Philip says to the Ethiopian, do you understand what you're reading? Here's this guy who's sweaty. You know, he's just in plain clothes, coming upside like, you know, the limousine of its time. And he hears the guy reading and he has the goal to say to him, do you understand, you know, what you're reading? This, I think this is a 50-50 opportunity. This thing's either gonna go really good or it's going to end really bad, right? Either the guy of authority and power is going to stop the the carriage and command his driver to get off and shoo this guy away because he's bothering him, or something else is going to happen, and that something else took place. Philip was invited up into the carriage, and the rich Ethiopian man said to Philip, how can I understand? How can I understand, Philip, what I'm reading unless someone instructs me? How can I understand unless someone instructs me? And as Philip is sitting there in the chariot, I can only assume that there's this small talk that happens where Philip introduces himself, and then he finds out about this Ethiopian visitor that this guy does really have a lot of wealth. He is very powerful. In fact, he is like the chief financial officer for the queen of Ethiopia. He oversees all of her treasure. You know, he, he, he decides where we're gonna invest and when we're gonna give and how that's all gonna be managed. And then he, he realizes that, man, this guy has traveled probably about a 1,000 miles at the most to get from where he was at up to Jerusalem to worship. And now he's leaving Jerusalem. He's going down out of Jerusalem. And it's gonna be about a 1,000 miles to get back home. He realizes that, wow, this guy is serious. This guy's really on a journey, Right? And so Philip, he immediately gets the, gets the conversation back on a spiritual focus. And the Bible tells us that Philip starts telling this Ethiopian about Jesus. I can only imagine that he starts at the beginning. Hey, if you came here to worship Jehovah, have you heard about Jesus? Jesus, he was born of a virgin. Jesus, I followed him. He, he did all kinds of crazy miracles. In fact, let me tell you about some of the miracles that I saw him do. Did, did you hear about this guy who he died on a cross for our sins? And that he rose again on the third day? I mean, come on, did you hear about this guy? This guy's God's only son. He is the Messiah. He was sent as the one who was to forgive us of our sins and to set us free from the bondage of it. And that, hey, listen, you know, newfound friend, chief financial officer, Ethiopian eunuch guy. Hey, did you realize that if you put your faith in in his life? That if you confess that Jesus is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings and you choose to surrender him for the rest of your life, that you'll have eternal life? And then he went on and he said to him, oh yeah, and by the way, man, since, since the death and the resurrection of Jesus, there's been thousands and thousands of people surrendering their life to Jesus. And they've been going down in public to the nearby rivers and getting baptized in water as a symbol of their sins being washed away and forgiven but also as a bold, I mean, it's been bold, Mr. Ethiopian. It's been bold, these people, because when they got baptized in water, some of them got like rejected from their home. Others of them got beat up. Others, others got you know kicked out of town because they made this bold stance that they were gonna follow Christ. And then Philip says to him, so do you wanna, you wanna make Jesus the Lord and leader of your life? And the Ethiopian says yes. So he leads him in probably a prayer of just going, Jesus, I want you to come into my life and lead me from this day on. And then after they say amen, it's an amazing thing that happens, that the Ethiopian opens up his eyes and he looks out and he sees water and he says these words to Philip. Philip, all excited. Philip, look, look, man, there's some water right over there. Why can't I be baptized now? And so as he stands up in his chariot, about ready to fall over, as it's going down this rocky, bumpy road, he says to his chariot driver, hey, stop this thing right now. I got something I got to do. And Philip probably looks around and says, well, I guess, man, why can't you be baptized? You just put your faith in Jesus. I mean, you don't have to now show up to church three times, or you don't have to, like, you know, recite any scripture for me. There's nothing else you've got to do. So, yeah, let's go. And so these guys go walk down to the water, and they walk into the water. And Philip baptizes this guy in water, which means to fully immerse. He takes him under the water and brings him back up, just like he had seen Jesus do, and just like what had happened to him And I'm sure they celebrated. They probably high-fived each other, gave each other a hug, right? And the driver in the chariot's going, what in the world is going on here? And so they walk back out of the water, and the Bible says as soon as he exits out of the water, boom, Philip is transported away. Transported away. Just taken. Like, that's the last time the Ethiopian sees him. I don't know what would happen for you, but that would freak me out. Where did he go? He was just there. We were walking out of the water. Did he slip and fall in the water? You know, hey, hey, Mr. Philip, gone! Right, what happened to him? Right, he's just gone. He's gone. And Philip, the Bible continues to tell us that he ends up in another town and he continues to preach. He continues to share the good news. And it tells us something about the, about the Ethiopian. It says that he went away rejoicing. Both of these men experienced an ignition moment where God's Spirit ignited a fire, a flame inside of their lives. And it's all summed up really in the last two verses of Acts chapter 8. It says that when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip, took Philip, kind of transported Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but he went on his way, look, rejoicing. That's his ignition. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. See, the Ethiopian had an encounter where there was this fire that got ignited inside of his heart and he was rejoicing about this newfound salvation that he has with Christ. If you're here today and you committed your life to Jesus, are you still experiencing the the effect of the ignition of that, are you still finding yourself rejoicing in it or have you taken it for granted? I would say this, that if the ignition of Christ coming into your life is something that you've experienced in this room, that you're hearing my voice today out of North Platte or down in the venue, there should there should be this continued rejoicing that happens in our life. Never take for granted the fact that you are saved. Never take for granted the fact that Jesus came into your life. I guarantee you, everywhere that Ethiopian eunuch guy went after that you can only imagine when they stopped to get gas which would have been stopped to feed the horses right when they stopped to do that I guarantee you he would have been off talking to somebody about what just happened to him he would have had to be he can't keep it inside of you have you ever been really happy about something how many times did you say did you tell the story my wife has literally leaned over to me and said I'm tired of hearing that story I'm excited about it, though. I gotta tell people. That's what happened to him. I mean, Philip, on the other hand, what, what happened with the ignition that he had when he encountered God in such a powerful way, right? I mean, he hears, go down to a desert road, and he does it, and then, boom, this amazing thing happens, and he leads this rich guy to the Lord, and then he walks out of the water, and then, boom, he's transported, right? We think maybe three to 20 miles because we don't know where this moment happened, but he's transported to this community of Azotus. He's teleported, like, what you see in, in Star Trek, as crazy as it sounds, that's what the Bible, What's what the original language tells us, all right? That's crazy, I got it, but it's what happened. And you know what? I'm just going to tell you this, I guarantee you, Phillips preaching went from here to here, from here to here. You know why? That's one killer story to tell people. I mean, that's an amazing story. You're going to tell people, I, the thing he had to battle the most was people going, you are out of your mind. What are you talking about, right? But what about his faith of following God down to the desert road and then experiencing all of this? Don't you think he's going to be more likely to, like, step out and do something radical for God again? Wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. So our big question is this. How how do we, right, how do we practice what these guys practice to experience this moment where there's this powerful thing that takes place in our lives? right? What do we have to do? Where does this ignition source come from? How do we practice it so that we can maybe experience the same power and fire of God in our lives? And it all starts with a couple of things, right? Two things that these guys both experienced. Number one is this. They both had to step into the unknown. The Ethiopian, he had to step into the unknown and make the journey all the way to Jerusalem. If he doesn't make the journey all the way to Jerusalem, he doesn't encounter Philip. But what he, what's so interesting is that he goes on the journey to, to worship Jehovah, but he doesn't even know Jesus. So he doesn't have it all figured out. He doesn't have all the answers. He, he doesn't know everything. He's not an expert, although he comes from another country, and evidently he can read Hebrew, so he's very well educated. He still doesn't have it all figured out. And to step into the unknown, guys, means that you're not going to know everything, but you got to step even though you're not fully prepared, and for some of you that are here today, you're waiting to try to get your life perfect before you step out and do something great for God, and you're, you're going to be waiting forever. You're waiting until you can get this sin nature controlled before you, you know, do anything amazing for God, or before maybe you even explore God, or you really get excited about God and go after Him, and I'm going to tell you, you're going to wait forever. The Ethiopian didn't have it all figured out, but he, he stepped into the unknown, he went on the journey And for you and me, we've got to go on the journey into the unknown if we're going to experience something powerful to happen to us. See, God's looking for hunger. He's not looking for perfection. God's looking for faith. He's not looking for human wisdom. God's the one who wants to infuse you, you know, with this ignition and he wants to ignite this fuel source inside of you so that something great can happen. But if you wait and you go, well, when I get it all figured out, then I'll do it. Then it'll be amazing. You're going to wait for nothing. I mean, haven't you guys lived long enough to discover that great things, right, don't great things really happen when someone says, I don't need your help, I can do it on my own? Isn't that when the greatest things happen in life? Of course not. Great things don't happen when someone says, hey, I got this, I can do it all on my own, you know, just wait, I'll get it figured out. That's not when great things happen, that's when things get broke and people get hurt. Right? So we're going to have to come to a point where we humble ourselves. Jesus wants you just the way you are, by the way. Yeah, he wants you, yeah, right now, with all the sin nature that's active in your life. He wants you just the way you are. You know what he'll do? He'll purify you over time. Jesus wants you just the way you are, where you're not equipped to do maybe what you feel like is anything great. He wants you just the way you are. You don't feel even, you know, encouraged to come before him in prayer because you're afraid of what he might say. I'm just going to tell you, he wants you just the way you are, and he'll take you on the journey. He will. That's him. He's faithful to do that. But you and me are going to have to stop using excuses and start making the spiritual journey happen. That's what the Ethiopian did. He went a thousand miles. God might be only asking you to come a few feet down to an altar and kneel down today. He might be asking you just to, for once and for all, would you just worship me with everything inside of you? Maybe that's what God's asking for. You probably don't have to travel a thousand miles to really experience all that God has for you, but it will require you to step into the unknown. And that's what Philip did. Philip stepped into the unknown when he decided to follow the word of the angel, when he decided to follow what God's spirit said to him, and he walked alongside of the chariot, right? I mean, this is what happened. Look, look at how he obeyed God. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south. But here's the thing. Who said it? I told you that earlier. Who said it? Let's be honest here for a second. If an angel has to show up in your living room to tell you to do something, how much faith does it take to go do it? It doesn't take a lot. So what, what, what am I really trying to say to you? God will use any means possible to try to cause an ignition inside of your heart because God wants a fire burning in your heart for him. And if it takes an angel, it takes an angel, right? If it takes a journey to Jerusalem, a thousand miles, it takes a journey, right? If it takes a short run over to the carriage, it takes a short run. If it takes you sharing your faith, it's sharing your faith. Whatever it is, God's just interested in seeing an ignition happen in your life. But that requires you to step into the unknown. You got to be willing to go there. Here's the second thing you find that for both of these guys. It's this. They both, they both had to get into God's word. I mean, when you look at this story, God's word is the central focus of the story. These supernatural things happen, but God's word is the center, center of it all. It's this, God's word is what brought the two of them together. It's what caused the ignition to really take place. God's word, in essence, became the fuel, if you will, for the ignition to take place in their lives It transformed them from that point on. Like, as an example... The Ethiopian, if he doesn't go to Jerusalem and he doesn't shell out the big bucks to buy this expensive scroll, then he's not reading it, the end of the story. There is no Acts 8, 26 through 40. If Philip isn't a man who studies God's word and studies the ancient scroll so that when he comes upside next to this guy, he knows what he's hearing and and he has the ability, the boldness to say, do you understand what you're reading? Meaning, I've studied it I know, I can help you. If Philip doesn't study God's word as a young man and continue to study it, it's the end of the story. Story's over, nobody gets saved. There is no Acts 8, 26 through 40. God's word has an amazing way though of igniting our spiritual journey like nothing else on this planet. God's word really becomes like the fuel source that God's spirit gets to come and ignite. That's that's God's word for us. So God's Word is like the food physically that you put into your body. Like you can go and you can work out 24-7, but if you don't put the right fuel into your body, your workout's not going to last very long. And especially when it comes time to really activate that workout and do something amazing with it, like run a marathon, climb a 14er, um, in Colorado or someplace, or do something extreme, right? If you don't have the right fuel source in you, you can only work out so long. So you can beat your body into submission and make it lean and mean and full of muscle, but if you don't feed it with the right fu- fuel, you're going nowhere. And that's God's Word. God's Word is that fuel source that wants to come into our lives so that we're not just hearers of God's Word, but we're doers of God's Word. And that's what God's looking for. It's not just hearing God's word today. It's about what you're going to do with it. And that's what you find with the Ethiopian. The Ethiopian heard God's word and then he did something with it. Remember what he did with it? Take a look. He did this. As, as they rode along, they came to some water and the, and the Ethiopian eunuch said this, look, ama- I mean, excited about it. There's, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. See, here's the cool part. The Ethiopian heard God's word and he did something with it. Today, you have the privilege of hearing God's word. What are you going to do with it? My suggestion is this. You do what the Ethiopian did. He didn't go, oh, Philip, that's a great word. Um, Wow, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take that home and I'm going to to contemplate it. I'm going to take it home and I'm going to think on it. I'm going to take it. i got a long journey ahead, Philip. Thanks a lot, buddy, for the conversation. You know, let, let me just kind of ponder what you've shared with me. That's not what the Ethiopian did. He he heard God's word and then he did something with it instantly. My encouragement to you today is this. As you hear God's word, what are you going to do with it? Right? The Ethiopian got baptized. If you're here today and you've never been baptized, let me just tell you the very first thing you need to do with God's word. You need to get baptized in water. You need to identify yourself publicly with Christ. If you're a Christ follower and you haven't been baptized, you, you need to go through that experience to let the old you be put, put in the water, like in the grave, like Christ going into the grave, and the new you coming alive. This Friday, 7.15, out in Lexington, at the crossing, we've got New Life United. All three locations coming together for one big opportunity of worship and fun, dodgeball, goat carts, food. It's going to be amazing. But one of the incredible things we're going to do is water baptism. So if you haven't been baptized in water, please, if you're on Version, click sign up now and sign up. If you, if you don't have Version on your phone, then grab one of the communication cards in front of you, fill it out, and turn it into an usher, turn it in at the Welcome Center, bring it down, lay it on the altar. If you haven't been baptized in water, stop waiting. Take a step. Well, my life's not perfect. Who cares? Take a step. Right? I don't have it all figured out. Great. Take a step and God will help you. Right? Stop sitting around just pondering whether you're going to, you know, fall in line with God's word. Fall in line with God's word and watch what God will do as he ignites something amazing in you. So let's not just be hearers of God's word, let's be doers of God's word. So in conclusion, in conclusion, two two quick thoughts, Philip. Philip didn't know what he would find, right? On that desert road. But he obeyed God's command. I want you to notice It wasn't the greatest highway. It was actually a desert road. And the reason why I was called the desert road was because out of Jerusalem, there were two roads that went down to Gaza. One went to the current Gaza, which was built by the ocean. That would have been the new road. The other one was the desert road that went to the old Gaza city that had been destroyed. And Philip was told by God, go to the old desert road, which would mean the deserted road. The old, deserted road. You can only imagine Philip was like, man, God, are you sure you got your head screwed on straight? Because all the people live in Jerusalem. If I communicate to them, we could see masses of people come to know you. You want me to go to a deserted road? And see, for some of you, it's an old road. Where are you gonna find the ignition spiritually for your life? You're gonna have to go practice some of the old things that you stopped practicing. Some of you, you have some spiritual disciplines in your past, you stopped practicing them. Practice them again, and you'll watch the ignition of your life start back up again, spiritually. The other other thought of this desert, deserted road is this. Philip had to go alone. And when you're here today, you don't wait for someone else to go down the road with you. You go alone if you have to. You could be sitting here with a spouse, and you sense a spiritual call of God going, come on, seek me, and you'll find me. Come on, run with me, and something great's going to happen in your life. And I just want to encourage you, even if your spouse doesn't go with you, you go. You run down the road and you find God. It's going to be a lonely road. It might be, right? It might be a road where you're all alone for a while. But I'm telling you, when you experience the ignition of God's spirit, you're going to go, it was all worth it. The Ethiopian, obviously he went away rejoicing because he he went away as a man that was just hearing about God's word. And now I guarantee he's going to go away as a man who is sharing God's word. But you first have to be one who surrenders to Jesus before you ever tell people about Jesus. And he found a a joy in his life that has caused him to rejoice over and over and over again. And I wanna say to you today, if you are outside of a relationship with God, why why don't you consider today during our time of worship of surrendering your life to Jesus so that you can experience the joy, the rejoicing that the Ethiopian experienced. You'll walk away completely transformed and changed. But that means you gotta humble yourself just like he did and say, I I can't figure this out on my own. God, I need you, I need you. So today, please know this, in all of our auditoriums, the altars are for the hungry. They're for the hungry that are here today, that are going, I'll go down the desert road if that's what it requires. God, I just want to find you. God, I'll step out and I'll put my life in your hands. It doesn't matter what people think. I just want to find you today. Let the Holy Spirit create an ignition inside of you that changes you forever. Don't just sit there and be a hearer of God's Word. Be a doer of God's Word. Why don't you stand with me? And let's pray. Jesus, we hear your Word today and we run toward you. But we don't want to be people that are left out. We don't want to be people that just hear your word and then avoid it. We wanna be people that apply it because when we apply your word, life happens. And so God, today, I pray for every single person that can hear my voice that's with us in one of our uh, auditoriums right now, that, Lord, we would be people that would respond to you. Lord, we would respond as hungry people, even kneeling down at an altar and seeking you, or lifting our head towards heaven and praising you. But whatever it is today, God, come and ignite a fire inside of this congregation. Ignite a fire inside of the hearts of those whose love has grown cold. Ignite a fire inside of people today, God, to let them know you are with them and you are not against them. Climb into their chariot today and start speaking life into their very heart today that would excite them to wanna take action like like the Ethiopian did. Lord, we wanna be people that follow you all the days of our lives, but we can't do that by just igniting a human source of fuel. We have to let you, God, put inside of us Put inside of us the fuel of your spirit from your word, from our surrendering to you, and then let you alone ignite it so that a fire burns bright inside of our hearts for Christ so that all the world would know that you are our Lord and our Savior. So Father, come and ignite passion inside of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.